just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. Hopefully it's going to be a great day for you. Because today is Thursday. It is Thanksgiving. Now the first question I have for you is, it's fucking Thanksgiving. Why are you listening to a podcast for Christ's sake? Get with your family. Enjoy the time. Eat a lot of shit. You shouldn't be listening to a podcast. But if nonetheless you're listening to the podcast, or maybe you're listening to it later in the day or the next day, whatever, I'm here to do it for you. I'm like a dancing monkey. You turn it on, I'll do the dance. (laughs) I'm actually looking forward to Thanksgiving. Of course, I'm recording this at about midnight on Thanksgiving morning. But I enjoy going to see the family. I'm going to see my grandkids. I'm going to see my kids my grandnieces and nephews. It's going to be a great day. I enjoy that immensely. And the food, well, you know, I'm an eater. (laughs) So I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. I hope you get a chance to be with your family and uh, just have a great day. You're entitled to that. Now, there's always, don't they always say there's a drunk uncle that comes to the holidays? I don't know that there'll be any drunk uncle that comes to my holiday. And I don't think we're going to have a Trump humper either. Those Trump humpers probably aren't invited. And they probably wouldn't show anyway. But if you happen to be at an event today and you have a Trump humper that can't help himself or herself and needs to spew shit, just kind of smirk at them and don't engage. There's really no value in engaging with these people. You can't change their mind. They're... Mindset is so fucked up and so weird. It's just not worth the effort. Make this a family day. Make it enjoyable. And if somebody tries to make it unenjoyable, kick their ass out or just ignore them. That's all you really can do. All right, on this Thanksgiving, let's get down to business. You know, I did a TikTok yesterday. And I was talking about how, how I always refer to Republicans as stupid. And they are absolutely fucking stupid. And I could give you an example of their stupidity almost every day. I don't do that because, well, I got better fucking things to do. That said, I have one instance that I want to relay to you that shows how stupid these people are. Now, we know that Joe Biden signed an executive order for giving $10,000 on student loans, 20000 in some cases. Now, of course, the Republicans were upset about this, so they take it to court. See, that's the thing with an executive order. You can sign it, the president can sign it, and it's enacted, but people can still take it to court saying it's unconstitutional. And, of course, that's what the Republicans did in this particular situation. They don't want to give $10,000 to these kids. I paid my fucking college loans. They can pay it too. It's fucking communism. It's socialism. Well, they're cashing and living off their PPP loans that were forgiven. Anyway, 
here's the point of the stupidity. They go to court and they get a pause put on these refunds, or not refunds, but this forgiveness for this $10,000 on the student loans. And I've said before, this $10,000 is simply a gesture. It doesn't do anything for the economy. It doesn't do anything for these kids. But again, it was a decent gesture until such time where they can make a better, better decision on this. But the Republicans don't like it, so they take it to court, and it's on pause. Now, ultimately, this will get done because the Republicans really don't have anything to go on. If it actually gets into a trial situation, they'll lose like they always fucking lose. But Joe Biden is looking at this, and uh, the payments were to begin in January. Well, we're not that far away. We're coming up on December. We're 30 days, maybe 40 days away from the first payments. But Joe doesn't think it's a good idea to start those payments before these people have been able to realize their uh, their forgiveness of $10,000 or $20,000. And that makes sense. What if you only owe $10,000 on your loan? And it's going to get forgiven ultimately, but you're making payments in January. Now you got to wait till those fuckers send you back the money. Anyhow, so this is what Joe does. Joe says, all right, since we don't know for sure when this is all going to happen, we're going to put a continuation on the pause of the payments until June, six months out. Now, where the stupidity comes in, these Republicans are so upset about this $10,000 forgiveness that Joe has to delay the payments. (laughs) But now nobody's paying shit for the next six months. I'm thinking to myself, if the Republicans want to continue to this, this bullshit and this obstruction, maybe Joe should just pause it till the end of his term. Then nobody pays anything at all. And that would be a huge help to these younger kids and the people who have student loans and our economy. But this is the stupidity of the Republicans. They cut their nose off to spite their face. We don't want that $10,000 forgiveness. So Joe puts it on hold. Now nobody's paying anything. These uh, people that are holding these loans are struggling. The Republicans think they're doing something, but they're just fucking over these loan providers or managers because now they're getting no money for another six months. And it's been a couple of years already. You would think you'd want to just get this done. Now, this forgiveness doesn't impact the people that have the loans. The government covers that. So these people that hold these loans have got to be pretty pissed at this point. They're hoping to start getting payments back, but now they're not until June because the Republicans want to fuck around. You see what I mean? It's absolutely ignorant. All they care about is owning the libtards. They don't care about working for the people or even the people that side with them. They don't care as long as they own the libtards. And unfortunately, the only people that get owned here are the Republicans and the people holding these loans because they're still not getting money and they're not going to get money for six fucking much minimum. So you Republicans keep fucking around. Keep playing this game. And with any luck, these kids will get another two years before they have to make a fucking payment. Now, it's interesting about the Republicans. 
they heard about this special counsel, Jack Smith, who was hired by Merrick Garland. Now, I got to be honest, I've done some uh, research on Jack, and, uh, you know, he's working over in The Hague. He's working with international crimes, war criminals. This guy's a motherfucking beast. I mean, he don't fuck around. You look at the pictures, and he looks like some kind of villain. And this is fucking with the Republicans. They are nervous about that. They're particularly interested in the fact that he has international law experience. Why would they do that? Well, Donald Trump is top secret documents. He may have sent them to adversarial countries, enemy countries, and he'd be the exact guy you want working on this shit. So the Republicans are nervous, even the sitting members of Congress, because he's going to be working on the January 6th situation. So there are sitting members of Congress, along with Donald Trump, that are just waiting to get fucking hammered by Jack Smith and the DOJ. So how do the Republicans respond to this? Well, this is how they respond. They try to attack his credibility. They try to find little bits and pieces of stuff that discredit him. But they're having trouble doing that because he's a motherfucking beast. There is nothing to discredit this guy. So they go to his wife, and here's what they find. They find that his wife, now Jack is supposed to be an independent, but his wife is a Democrat, and his wife donated $1,000 to Joe Biden's campaign. Oh my God, not that. (laughs) And then just to make it worse, we hear that his wife worked on a documentary about Michelle Obama. Oh my God, how do we not fucking know that? I mean, that's all they got. And I started thinking, you want to call out wives. What about Republican wives? Take Melania Trump, for example. She plagiarized Michelle Obama's speech. She lied about her education. She lied about being a supermodel. And she even posed nude because she's classy like that. Or how about Mitch McConnell's wife? She's from a very wealthy, corrupt family in China. And she's scamming this country for money. That company is involved in transportation. And guess what? She was the director of the transportation department in the United States of America. You think something fishy's going on there? But goddamn Jack Smith's wife for working on that documentary for Obama. And then, of course, you have Ginny Thomas. I mean, all she did is try to mount a coup against our country. I mean, I could do this all fucking day because the Republicans are all corrupt motherfuckers. But this tells us one thing. They are frightened to death of Jack Smith. And they should be because he isn't fucking playing. As I've said, I thought this might delay the whole process, and it looks like it's speeding it up. It's ramping it up. Because, you know, the first thing Jack Smith did, he's only been in the job like five or six days. He's already brought himself up to speed with what's gone on. He's read everything. He's read like 12, 1,500 pages. So he knows what's going on. He's up to speed. And then what he does next is kind of interesting. Now, you remember 
Mike Pence was asked to testify in front of the January 6th committee. And Mike Pence said, I don't think the January 6th committee deserves to hear my testimony. Oh, this above-it-all piece of shit who claims to be religious? Yeah, I question that. I think Mike Pence is a stuffed shirt, but he's got some weird shit going on. I don't know what it is quite yet, but I think we'll find out ultimately. So while he won't speak to the January 6th committee, guess what? The Department of Justice and old Jack Smith is seeking testimony from the former Vice President Mike Pence for its investigation into Donald Trump's attempts to stay attempts to stay in power after losing the 2020 presidential election. Now, sources familiar with the matter confirmed that the DOJ's efforts to the New York Times, CNN, and ABC on Wednesday all reported that Pence, who has developed a fraught relationship with Trump after refusing to support his election fraud claims, is open to the request. Oh, you won't talk to the J6 committee. You're above it all. But when the DOJ comes calling, yeah, I'm going to think about it. Now, DOJ investigators reportedly contacted Pence before Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed a special counsel, Jack Smith, who once led the public integrity section to take over the probe last week. As of now, Pence has not been subpoenaed. So the point is, he's been asked to testify, and he can turn that down theoretically. It probably wouldn't be in his best interest. However, if he does refuse to come, then the subpoena comes. He says he's open to testifying before the DOJ. Pence has refused to participate in similar investigations, as I pointed out. Now, of course, Trump could seek legal avenues to try to stop Pence from testifying by invoking executive privilege, which at the very least could stall the DOJ's efforts to convene with him. Pence could be a key witness in the investigations into the efforts by Trump and his allies to subvert democracy. Well, let's talk about executive privilege. I think we've established that a former president doesn't have executive privilege. It may have to go through a court system and that sort of thing, but he won't win. He hasn't won on any other situation, so that's going to be a problem. Donald Trump can delay things, but we now see things are coming to pass. The delays only delay the inevitability. Now, what's interesting about Mike Pence, he has this reluctance to speak out. Yet he wrote a book about all this stuff, and he's happy to go on shows to talk about his book. Mr. Above-It-All is a capitalist at heart and is worried about selling his book, but he doesn't give a fuck about this country and what is true. I mean, that's who Pence is. Pence likes to give the idea that he's this pious, religious guy. He's a piece of shit like every other politician. And this guy honestly believes that he has a shot to run for the presidency and win. Come on. Now, Wednesday, news came the week after Pence shared this. He said he's giving prayerful consideration to running for president in 2024. 
Now, this is a race which Trump has already announced his candidacy. Pence said there are better choices than Trump for president last week when asked if he'd be a good presidential candidate. He won't own up to it because he's still afraid of Donald Trump. He doesn't want to talk about Donald Trump. Hey, Pence, remember when they attacked the Capitol? They said they were going to fucking kill you. They brought a gallows and said they wanted to hang you. But Pence has literally no chance of winning, being the nomination, let alone winning the presidency. And here's why. Of course, no Democrat is going to vote for this fuck. No independent or uh, middle-of-the-road Republicans are going to vote for him. And guess what? All the trump whatever percentage that is, the ones that think that he betrayed Donald Trump, they aren't going to vote for this motherfucker. He doesn't have enough people in the Republican Party to mount a campaign and actually run for president. Yeah, you better be praying hard, Mike Pence, because you don't know what the fuck you're getting into. You don't have the wherewithal to do what needs to be done. You're like this one-dimensional man that has no personality, lacks a certain amount of intelligence, and When you're in the Republican Party, you need to be like a freak show like Donald Trump. You need somebody who's going to turn it into a circus in order to get voted. And I'm sorry, Mike, that ain't you. That is definitely not the fuck you. You know, it's funny as I sit here and swear, as I tend to do, I'll get comments on TikTok And I'll get people that will say, you shouldn't swear. I like what you say, but you shouldn't swear too much. And my answer to them typically is, "Ah, I can't stop swearing. That's that's my one charm. (laughs) That's the only thing that makes me be charming. (coughs) And I'm joking about that, of course, kind of. But I'm not going to stop swearing. I'm going to be who I authentically am. But I got my Probably the best compliment I've ever got on TikTok just yesterday. A uh, commenter on one of my posts where I happen to have been swearing quite a lot. <laughs> there, there was a, a, a black commenter. I could see that from the picture in his profile. He said, man, you swear like a brother. I love you. <laughs> that is a compliment. I don't know how I swear. I just, you know, I came from South Minneapolis. There were white people, black people, indigenous people. There were Asians. There were Mexicans. There are all kinds of people there. We just kind of all hung out together. Now, if it's true that I swear like a brother, if there's really any difference between a black person and a white person, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, that's what this page is about. This isn't about color or race or even political parties. I mean, because there are some Republicans that are traditional Republicans that listen to the show. I know that. This is really about what's true, what's a lie, what's real, what's fake. I've told you before, I don't belong to a political party. I don't see this as Democrats against Republicans. I see politicians against us some point, we have to stand up, speak out. We're fighting against the Republicans now, but when the Democrats get control, should that happen, we need to put their feet to the fire too. For too many years, we've been ignored. And when I say we, I'm talking about middle-class people. 
And that means whether you're black, indigenous, Asian, Mexican, or white. It's the middle class people. There are a lot of things that separate all of us, but we have a lot of things in common. And that's what we should focus on and use that power of that unity to fight against the people that have been taking advantage of us for decades. And that is our government and that is our politicians. Now, I'm not one of these guys that rants against the government. There are some good things in government. But largely, we get ignored because we allow it to happen. I have this sense that if we speak out and speak loud, it's going to be harder for them to ignore us. Hence the reason I do what I do here. And if I can teach anybody anything, it is that don't be afraid. Speak up, speak out, and push back. That is the only way you're going to get your due. All right, here's an interesting story, and I don't know if this is going to have an impact. It should. Now, when they started talking about Herschel Walker's prospective Senate campaign, one problem kind of loomed large for Herschel. You see, he's running for the U.S. Senate in Georgia, but he lives in Texas. How does that work? I mean, if you're running for office, don't you have to live in the community that you're running for office? I mean, if you're running for the uh, state senate, you've got to live in the district where you will be state senator. If you're going to be going to be a governor, you've got to live in the state you plan to govern. And if you're a U.S. senator for a state, as far as I know, the law says you got to live in that fucking state. Now, with this in mind, Walker, after decades of living in the Lone Star State, moved back to Georgia in August 2021 and launched a problematic political career, as we know. Now, this, this isn't without some complications. On the campaign trail, the GOP candidate uh, continued to refer to his home as Texas, even as he tried to appeal to Georgia voters. Turns out the challengers were just not rhetorical. I mean, we know Herschel has a problem with the English language. He's not an articulate motherfucker. I mean, the other day he was talking about Warnock and he mentioned erection deniers. (laughs) And somebody asked me about that and I said, well, that's either a really racist imitation of Japanese people Or he's just a dumb motherfucker. Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz were sitting next to him. That was quite a show. And when he said erection deniers, they kind of giggled about it. This is the guy you're supporting to be in the Senate. You don't care who you're electing as long as it's not a libtard. That's troubling and doesn't say a lot for your... your, um, willingness to do something from this country. But here's the deal. CNN reported this or yesterday morning that Walker is getting a tax break in Texas on his Dallas area home that's intended only for primary residents. I presume that's the homestead thing. Now, in order to get a homestead break, you've got to be living in that place. 
Now, if he's living in that place, getting that tax credit, he'd have to be a resident of Texas, not Georgia. And you would think that if you don't live in the state of Georgia, that would preclude you from running for the U.S. Senate. Publicly available tax records reviewed by CNN's K-File shows Walker is listed to get a homestead tax exemption in Texas in 2022, saving the Senate candidate about 1500 bucks and potentially running a fall of both tennis, te- Texas tax rules and some Georgia rules on establishing residency for the purpose of voting or running for office. Not only is he running for office, he voted in Georgia. Yeah, that's kind of fucked up. Is this going to cause them a problem or are they just going to let it ride? Now, according to CNN's report, which is not independently verified by MSNBC or NBC News, Texas regulations require homeowners to only take this exemption on their principal residence. Now, for Walker, this appears to create the latest in a series of problems. The Senate hopeful he he launched the campaign in Georgia in 2021, then took the homestead tax exemption in Texas later that year. He's not the smartest guy in the world. You would think he'd have an accountant that maybe understood this. Under Texas law, if a homeowner moves out of the state, the resident can still receive the exemption only if they don't establish principal residence elsewhere and plan to return to Texas within two years. Well, here's the deal. You need to have a principal residence in Georgia in order to run for the U.S. Senate. And should he win the U.S. Senate, he wouldn't be back living in Texas in two years because he'd be in Washington, D.C. for six years. Walker could argue that his principal resident isn't in Georgia, though that might cause some political difficulties for the Republican given that he's a Senate candidate in Georgia. Walker and his campaign team haven't yet responded to the latest report. Walker's runoff election against Warnock, the incumbent, is in 13 days on December 6th. So that's interesting. As I think I told you in the last podcast, I'm going to be um, down in Savannah, Georgia, from December 2nd to the 5th. So it's going to be interesting to see the atmosphere there. I'll probably talk to some folks. I think Savannah is more a liberal area, but they have their Trump too. But is this going to cause a problem for Herschel Walker? In my mind, it should. I mean, that's one rule that should be followed to a T. I mean, if that's not the case, if you can have a primary residence in Texas and still run for the U.S. Senate in Georgia, then fuck, I'm going to run for office in some other state. I live in Minnesota. Although, now see, here's the thing. This is a good question. If Herschel Walker can do what he's doing there, have his primary residence in Texas and still run for the U.S. Senate in Georgia, still vote in Georgia. Now, I live in Minnesota, but I do have a condo in Savannah, Georgia. Based on what he's doing, I should be able to vote down there and I could run for office. Fuck, I could run for the U.S. Senate in Georgia. And I have just as many qualifications as uh, 
Herschel Walker because I actually do have a property down in Georgia. And I had it before I announced any kind of election interest. Of course, I'm not going to do that. That's completely illegal. The question is, will Herschel Walker's feet be held to the fire? Will this become a factor as we come closer to the election in 13 days? In my mind, if he doesn't have a primary residence in Georgia, he shouldn't even be able to run. I mean, I think that's the fucking law. But we know how the government works. We know how the legal system works. If you have money or fame or those sorts of things, um, you get away with shit. But it's going to be harder to get away with shit now that everybody knows that. If it had been held under the radar, he would have gotten away with it. But that's the thing about social media, the internet. Everybody knows everything fucking instantaneously. Now people can't just cover things up. They have to decide what to do with it. Are they going to ignore it and allow this to happen? There should be no way this happens. If he took a tax credit in Texas, that is his primary residence. And now he's running for the Senate in Georgia. That's bullshit. That's illegal. And actually, if he voted in Georgia, and I've heard he did, but I don't know that for sure. But if he did vote in Georgia and his primary residence is in Texas, it would be interesting to find out, did he vote in Texas and Georgia or did he just vote in Georgia? And if he voted in Georgia and he doesn't have a residence in Georgia, well, that's election fraud. You can go to jail for that. Some people recently have, mostly Republicans. So it wouldn't be surprising that Herschel Walker would be guilty of such a thing. (laughs) It's a fucking mess. Herschel Walker is a fucking mess. There is no reason he should be running for the Senate. There's no reason he should even be close in the race. And he has no business being a U.S. Senator. It's going to be a fucked up mess for the state of Georgia and a fucked up mess for the U.S. Senate. And it's going to affect all of us ultimately. So if you're in Georgia and you're thinking to vote for Herschel Walker, fuck you. You can't be that stupid. Vote for Warnock. He's a known commodity. He's been there for two years. He's done a good job, and he will continue to do a good job. And before Herschel Walker actually runs for the U.S. Senate, I think he should live in Georgia, and I think he should know the difference between election deniers and erection deniers. Election deniers are saying there was fraud in 2020. Erection deniers would be those women that didn't want to have sex with Herschel, and he forced it on them anyway. Fuck you, Herschel Walker. Anyway, we'll take a quick break, and we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So earlier in the week, we heard this story where Donald Trump was trying to 
not allow his taxes to be released. They've been working on this for fucking five years. They've taken it to court. He kept losing in court until he finally appealed it to the Supreme Court. Now, in Donald Trump's mind, he figured he'd have no problem getting them to side with him because he appointed three of these fucks on the Supreme Court. And they're a little crooked. But Donald Trump was wrong because... The Supreme Court voted 9-0, to zero, saying that he had to release his taxes. Now, this is really troubling for Donald Trump. I don't even think he's worried about the criminal activity in his taxes, because I think Manhattan District, the DOJ, all these people, Letitia James, they know about all the criminal activity. We know the... Uh, um, Manhattan District already has all his taxes, but he doesn't want the public to have them. But the Supreme Court said, fuck it, nine to zero, you got to give up your taxes. Well, of course, this pisses off Donald Trump. Former President Trump on Wednesday ripped the Supreme Court after it rejected his emergency appeal seeking to shield his tax returns from House Democrats. Now, they just said, we're not even going to talk about it. Just go the fuck away. And that means now he has to supply his taxes. The court's order on Tuesday caps a multi-year legal battle paving the way for the House and Means Committee to receive the former president's tax returns. Why would anybody be surprised that the Supreme Court has ruled against me, Donald Trump said. They always do. Yes, they do. You thought you were a big shot when you appointed these fucking sycophants, but they keep ruling against you. So you can ask us why we'd be surprised. The question would be, why do you keep appealing to the Supreme Court if you know they're going to make you lose? Isn't that the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome? Trump went on to say it is unprecedented to be handing over tax returns and it creates terrible precedents for future presidents. Has Joe Biden paid taxes on all the money he made illegally from Hunter and beyond? (laughs) The idea of a president showing his taxes. Donald Trump thinks that's a bad precedent. Does he not know that every other president prior to him, all the way back to, I don't know who the fuck it was, but, you know, like to Nixon, they've all showed their taxes? I think that precedent has been set, Donnie, and it hasn't been a problem for anyone else. By the way, Joe Biden has turned over his taxes, all of them. And as far as money he made illegally from Hunter and beyond... Seems to me nothing like that's ever been proven. There's no evidence. That's the thing about you Republicans. You can make accusations, but you have no evidence for anything regarding any accusations you have. Election fraud, where's the evidence? There is none. Joe Biden and Hunter Biden made billions of dollars illegally. Really? Where's where's the evidence? Oh, it's on Hunter Biden's laptop. Well, you know the FBI has had this fucking laptop since 2019. Remember when you were still president? 
Nothing has come out of it yet. (laughs) So if there was something there, I would think your administration, your FBI, would have brought it up and filed charges. But here we are, still nothing. Donald Trump just pulls shit out of his ass. He sees one little blip and he explodes it, it into something big because he's got nothing else. He can't deal with truth. So he's got to make shit up. And then we know what he does because he told the DOJ as much. He said, say there's election fraud, even though there's not election fraud, and I'll take it from there. Same thing with Hunter Biden's laptop. There's nothing there. If there was, we would have known about it by now. They certainly would have brought it out before the election in 2020. Why wouldn't they? But they didn't, because there is nothing. Trump bucked the the tradition of publicly sharing his tax returns during his 2016 presidential campaign. He said, I'm going through an IRS audit, and they prevent me from releasing the returns. Fact is, is if you're going through an audit, it doesn't prohibit you from releasing your returns. Again, this is just something Donald Trump pulled out of his ass, expanded on it, exaggerated on it, and some of us, the dumbest dumbest of us, will believe it. Now, the Democrats have sought the records uh, by arguing they need to probe how the IRS conducts its routine presidential audits. Trump's attorneys have pushed back on the request as a purely partisan effort. The Supreme Court has lost its honor, prestige, and standing. It has become nothing more than a political body within our country paying the price, Trump wrote on Wednesday. And Trump is absolutely right, but not in the way he's saying. They have become a partisan body, but for the Republicans, not the Democrats. Just because they don't fine for Donald Trump in his appeals doesn't mean they're against the Republicans, because we know, quite frankly, it is a conservative court. They are partisan, and they're a little corrupt in their own right. Donnie's just mad because they don't side with him, and they don't side with him because he's always fucking wrong. He says they refuse to even look at the election hoax of 2020. Shame on them. Well, again, there's no evidence, motherfucker. The Supreme Court, which includes three justices nominated by Trump in 2020, had rejected efforts to overturn President Biden's election win. It was like 60 times. And now this, they're going to allow his taxes to be shown. Even the most corrupt justices in the Supreme Court in history can't give you a decision because his decisions are so fucking stupid. That December, justices rejected a bid led by Texas, which was supported by 126 Republicans and 18 GOP state attorneys general to nullify Biden's wins in the battleground states of Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. And they said, fuck yourself. The same week, the justices tossed a request from Pennsylvania Republicans to nullify Biden's victory there, which was certified after Joe Biden won by 81,000 votes. Donald Trump's trying hard, but he is flailing now. 
See, Donald Trump got away with a lot of stuff during his presidency because he was the president and he had the uh, DOJ, the Supreme Court, and the Republicans in Congress protecting him all the way. But they don't find Donald Trump in favor anymore because they 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 um, blame him for the midterms, midterms and how badly they went. So these people are stepping away from him. Now he doesn't know what to do. See, Donald Trump's whole life is about getting bailed out, fucking up and getting bailed out, either from daddy or through bankruptcy or through foreign countries who give him money just to get some kind of influence in this country. So Donnie's having problems. Things are not going to go well well for him in the next six to eight months, and he's likely to see at least one, if not multiple, indictments. Now, we were talking about Georgia earlier. I mentioned that my wife and I have a condo down there. We were talking about Herschel Walker running for the U.S. Senate, even though he doesn't live in Georgia. Well, Georgia just did something that may piss you off right off the bat. But actually, I think this is a good thing. Just hear me out on this. Georgia's state Supreme Court on Wednesday reinstated the state's ban on abortions after roughly six weeks of pregnancy. Now, this is before most women know they are even pregnant. So this is a pretty draconian decision basically outlawing abortion in Georgia. Now, the Supreme Court granted the state's emergency petition and puts on hold a lower court ruling from last week where a judge called the ban unconstitutional. They're playing the Donald Trump game, the delay game, and while they're delaying, they're saying it's got to be six weeks, basically outlawing abortion in Georgia. Reproductive rights groups have argued that the state's abortion ban violates the state's constitution. Now, they won a decision from the Superior Court of Fulton County, where Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney ruled earlier this month that the ban was invalid. Now, McBurney said that the fact that the ban was signed into law three years prior to the Supreme Court's decision to eventually overturn Roe v. Wade, the constitutional right to have an abortion. The state's attorney general office also asked the state's Supreme Court for an order to put the decision on hold while the appeal of McBurney's was pending. Georgia is one of the few GOP-led states to implement or enact abortion bans and restrictions after Roe was overturned by the nation's highest court. Now, you remember what I said at the start of this story. This may be a good thing. And you're probably thinking to yourself, they're banning abortion in Georgia. How can this be a good thing? Well, banning abortion in Georgia isn't a good thing. But think about the midterms. What is the one thing that did the most damage to the Republicans and ruining the midterms for them? Well, it was overturning Roe v. Wade. That got to be a big issue. A lot of women got scared that their rights were going to be taken away. And now in Georgia, women are finding out that those rights have been taken away. It's a foregone conclusion. They are essentially outlawing abortion. Again, you ask, how is that a good thing? Well, it's not a good thing that they did that. 
But think about the midterms. Think about the overturning of Roe v. Wade and how that affected the midterms. And guess what? In 13 days, we have another election, a runoff election between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. This actually comes at a very opportune time. It reignites the fears and the anger of taking away rights from women just 13 days before the election. So what they just did is despicable and appalling. It won't stand, of course. Ultimately, it will go to what the Supreme Court says or whatever. But the good news is it's going to have an impact on this uh, this uh, runoff election. And it isn't going to benefit serial abortion funder Herschel Walker. This will benefit Raphael Warnock. Once again, they've instilled fear in the women in Georgia. And what are they going to do? They ain't voting for Herschel. I guarantee you that. So in the short run, this is good news. In the long run, it's bad news. However, if we can get um, Raphael Warnock to win the Senate seat, and we have 51 senators in the Senate, and if we can go to the House, and while it's a slight advantage for the Republicans, there are a lot of Republicans that want to get away from the trump There are a lot of Republicans that have above-average intelligence that notice that this overturning Roe v. Wade thing didn't work well for them in their elections. They're smart enough to know that, ah, yeah, maybe we better change that up a bit. So it's conceivable that the Democrats could get some Republican votes in the House and and the Senate would certainly pass and they could codify Roe v. Wade which would take this away from the Supreme Court and all these trump motherfuckers. I agree, it's a long shot. But there's some logic to it. Because these people who signed on with overturning Roe v. Wade, they paid a heavy price. Some of these Republicans, more moderate Republicans, are going to say, yeah, I better get on board with this codifying Roe v. Wade. It's going to help me in the elections. Now, most of the Republicans won't shift, but there will be some. And remember, we've got a very close division between Democrats and Republicans in the House. What do they have? Maybe a three-seat or four-seat lead? All they need to do is get five Republicans to say, yeah, you know, I learned a lesson. I'm going to vote to codify this. I don't want to go through this shit again and get my ass kicked. So they get five to come over to the Democrat side. It passes the House. It goes to the Senate. It passes without question in the Senate. And we have Roe v. Wade codified. Now, a lot of this is speculation. And it's a sad day for Georgia when they've done this thing. But if there is a silver lining, it will probably have an impact on the runoff on December 6th, 13 days away. And if you put Raphael Warnock back in office, we will be that much closer to codifying Roe v. Wade. So you got your choice in Georgia. You want to vote for Herschel Walker and keep this abortion ban in Georgia? Or do you want to maintain your bodily autonomy and your 
constitutional right to vote for Raphael Warnock, and then the Democrats can ensure that. Well, we had some history made, and I don't know how this affects the House of Representatives. I have to check it again. But U.S. Rep. Mary Patola, she made history in August when she became the first Alaska native to represent the state at the federal level. Now she is projected to win a full House term. Remember, she was put in there. I think somebody died, and she wrote out his term, and it was like a year. Now, under Alaska's new ranked choice voting system, Peltola had to wait until Alaska's Division of Elections revealed the ranked tabulations Wednesday to see if she got over 50% of the vote. And she won. Now, in the system, voters mark the candidates in order of their preference. If no one receives more than 50% of the vote in the first round, Peltola nearly missed that at 48.7%. The last place candidates' votes are reallocated according to who their voters picked as their second preference. The process repeats until somebody gets 50%. It's kind of a weird, fucked-up way to do an election, but what the hell? Dems won. Indigenous people won. Now, she kind of hoped not to have to go into the second-round tabulations. Um, her showing in November was an improvement over August when she only got about 40% of the vote in the first round and then squeaked to a victory in the second round of ranked choice voting. <clears throat> now, the vote determined who would sure serve the remainder of the term of the deceased Don Young, who died in office earlier that year. Now, because of its small population, Alaska only has one seat in the House. Peltola's victory was over most of the same rivals she beat in August. Sarah Palin, former Wasilla mayor, and the start of this crazy bullshit in the Republican Party. And Republican vice presidential nominee, Nick Begich, the grandson of the late Rep. Nick Begich, who preceded Young in Alaska's House seat. In addition to those two, the Libertarian candidate Chris Bayh was on the November ballot. So, they have a new indigenous rep from Alaska, the only rep from Alaska. The Democrats took it. The Republicans lost, and we're all fucking happy about that. So congratulations to her and another seat in the House of Representatives. Now, of course, we've had a couple of shootings in the last few days. We had a shooting where like six or seven people died in Virginia in a Walmart. It was a manager of said Walmart. He came in. He just started shooting. That guy ended up dead. I think he killed himself. Now, if these motherfuckers would just kill themselves first, it would save a lot of trouble and a lot of unnecessary death. But unfortunately, that's not how it worked out. Now, the Colorado Springs shooter... You know, he's the one that went into Club Q, the gay club in Colorado Springs. He appeared in court on Wednesday, slumping over to the right, bloodied and bruised after the survivors of the attack struck back against him. 
Now, it's interesting. The story we hear, there is a former, well, there is a vet that was there. He happened to be straight, not that that makes a difference. But he was an Army vet, combat vet. And when this happened, somehow he struggled, got the gun away with from this guy, and then beat the fuck out of him. And he said that, you know, I wanted to kill this guy because I knew if I didn't, he was going to kill everybody else. So he was justified in that choice. The interesting part of the story is, and I don't know if this is true, but I hope it is, that while he's getting beaten by this army vet, (laughs) one of the drag queens came over with high heels on and stomp this motherfucker. If you get a chance, check out on the internet his picture. This guy took a beating. It did not go well for him after the gun was taken away. Unfortunately, it all happened after he killed, what, like six people? Now, here's an interesting angle. The defense attorney said the 22-year-old Anderson Lee Aldrich identified as non-binary. (laughs) Yeah, which led MSNBC reporters to wonder if that was part of a defense strategy to get rid of hate crime charges. Their left eye appeared, his left eye appeared swollen and bruised and red marks on his forehead. Well, of course, it's a fucking ploy. He's not binary, non-binary. There are plenty of postings and information and, and witnesses that say he made references to gay people using the F word and not fuck the other one. This guy is not binary. This is a bullshit strategy to try to get one part of the uh, charges let go. And it was interesting. They did an interview with his father. He doesn't live with his father. I don't even know that he gets along with his father. This guy is an older, roughed-up, tweaker-looking motherfucker. He's a former former uh, mixed martial artist and a porn star. I watched them interview this guy. I don't have a clue what the fuck he said. His face was jerking around. He looked like Paul Gozar up there. And he was spewing stuff. And what he was most upset, he didn't hear the whole story at first. Somebody had called him and told him that uh, his son was in a gay bar. And before he could get any farther, he was upset. He goes, he's not gay, is he? (laughs) He was more worried about this kid possibly being gay than he was killing six or seven people. Now, this kid's appearance only lasted a few minutes, and defense lawyers asked whether police had access to their social media accounts and electronics, claiming some material might be privileged. Well, you put it on social media, I don't think it's fucking privileged. The lawyer suggested Aldrich hasn't given permission for their records to be searched. Investigators and the district attorney will likely obtain a warrant to ensure access to such things. But again, the whole fucking world knows. You can get the uh, warrant out there, but uh, this guy put it for all out for all to see, so fuck him. Records are also sealed in some pieces of Aldrich's life, including any psychiatric treatment, as well as if the red flag laws on the books in Colorado were implemented against him. 
Police said a briefing this week that Colorado has strict sealing laws and that they couldn't even say whether or not those records existed. I got to be honest. Even if they don't hit them with hate crimes, you still killed a bunch of people. You're not getting out of jail. You're going to be in jail for a long motherfucking time. Let's talk about the House of Representatives for a bit. We're getting down to the later stages of the Rational Boomer podcast. And to be perfectly honest, we need to get you out of here so you can go fucking be with your family and have Thanksgiving dinner, for Christ's sake. (laughs) Now, in recent days, there's been a lot of far-right House members who have come out to say that they will not be voting for Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. And that kind of throws a monkey wrench into the Republicans' leader's longtime ambitions. I mean, he's been hoping and praying that someday he would be Speaker of the House. That's number one on his bucket list. He can't wait. He's already talking about what he'll do when he has the power, except he doesn't have the power yet. And it doesn't look likely that he's going to get that power. Matt Gates has come out and says, I've got five people that will vote against him. We had another Republican come out and said, yeah, I'm not voting for him. So that's six. If they have a three-seat advantage and six of those people don't want to vote for him, This guy needs 218 votes to get elected to the Speaker of the House. So if they have, what, 22 seats, 222 seats, and six people don't vote for him, that puts him at 214. Not enough to get elected to the Speaker of the House. So a lot of people are saying, we don't want Kevin McCarthy, and frankly, That's probably a wise choice by the Republicans. So there's got to be somebody else, but they've got to get 218 votes, too. And the problem is this Republican Party is split. You pick a crazy and the fucking normal people won't vote for them. If you pick a normal person, then the crazy fucks won't vote for them. Um, One Republican strategist, Tara Setmeyer, speculated that person could be Elise Stefanik. She, she was ahead of the Republican Party for a time. She's just a Trump sycophant. And I got to think the normal-minded Republicans just don't see it either. I really don't see who they're going to get elected. If they've got to get 218 votes, there's really nobody that can get it from both sides. Now, Set Mayor or Meyer, or whatever it is, said, Kevin McCarthy is a coward. Well, she nailed it there. They have been forthcoming how he feels about Donald Trump in public. You heard what he said in private. When he was called out on it, he bowed and kissed the ring of Donald Trump. Well, so did Elise Stefanik, quite honestly. The only thing different about Elise Stefanik is now she's saying, oh, no, now I don't like him. But again, as I've said so many times, you stuck with them too long, the stink is going to stay with you. Stefanik went on to say he knew he needed the MAGA wing of the Republican Party to vote for him to become Speaker. Having such a thin, small majority 
that they have right now, it doesn't bode well for him because right now he's a five-count margin of hell no to Kevin McCarthy. He can only lose about four of them because no Democrats are going to vote for him. So the dynamics here are concerning if anyone thinks that Kevin McCarthy is going to operate in good faith, he's elevating Marjorie Taylor Greene, for God's sake. How can she be popular? Big Trump humper. And this this Tara Setmeyer was asked, if not McCarthy, who could be the speaker? That was asked by Katie Fang. She said, a year ago, I thought potentially Jim Jordan. But he's kind of set up uh, with a committee leadership thing, and he probably wouldn't want it. And why would you have him as Speaker of the House? He hasn't passed one bill in fucking 17 years. He's a worthless piece of shit. So that's why she goes to Elaine Stefaniak. And I, I don't know. I don't know that any of those people, any of those people have the wherewithal to get 218 votes. But I guess we'll see. We had another shooting, and we talked about it earlier in the show, and I talked about it early in the show yesterday. And yesterday, we didn't know as much about what what happened. And this is a little different situation than what we had in Colorado. This is in Chesapeake, Virginia. A Walmart manager pulled out a handgun before a routine employee meeting and began firing wildly around the break room of a Virginia store, killing six people in the nation's second high-profile mass shooting in just four days. Now, the gunman is dead, was dead when the officers arrived late Tuesday at the store in Chesapeake, Virginia. Authorities said he apparently shot himself. Of course, that's what a fucking coward would do. Police were trying to determine a motive. One employee described watching bodies drop as the assailant fired haphazardly without saying a word. He didn't say anything. We don't know that this is a racial issue or a sexual orientation issue. This just seems to be a guy disgruntled uh, because he works at Walmart. <laughs> now, I'm not going to talk shit about Walmart, but I will tell you this. My wife forbids me to shop at Walmart because of how they treat their employees. Now, that said, from time to time, if I want to get something cheap, I will go when the wife's not around. But I get what she's saying. I don't particularly like the circumstances there either. Now, one of the uh, people at in the room, he, he was just shooting all throughout the room. It didn't matter who he hit. He didn't say anything. He didn't look at anybody in specific, uh, said Brianna Taylor, a Walmart employee. Six people were wounded in the shooting, which happened right after 10 p.m. as shoppers were stocking up for Thanksgiving and such. Police said they believe about 50 people were in the store at the time. Now, the gunman was identified as Andre Bing, B-I-N-G, 31, and an overnight leader who had been a Walmart employee since 2010, so he's been there 12, 13 years. Police said he had a handgun and several magazines. I mean, he could have just put in his two-week notice, but no, he's got to do this crazy shit. Tyler said the overnight stocking team of about 15 to 20 people had just gathered in the break room to go over the morning plan. 
She said the meeting was about to start. One team leader said, all right, guys, we have a light night ahead of us. Then Bing turned around and opened fire on the staff. How does this fucking happen? Well, let's be honest. The reason we have mass shootings, the responsibility lays at the feet of Republicans. In spite of all these mass shootings, they refuse. They absolutely refuse to enact any laws to control guns. It's their belief that everybody should have as many guns as they want, as much ammo as they want, and they should be able to carry them wherever they want. Now, there was a time when we had a ban on automatic weapons, and you know what? The shootings went down dramatically. This is during Bill Clinton's era. But then, of course, the Republicans got that taken off. And once again, we have people dying willy-nilly in fucking various locations. It could be churches. It could be schools. It could be stores. It doesn't matter. Any crazy fuck can grab a gun and start shooting. And unfortunately, that seems to be what's happening. Now, there's a second part of why the Republicans are responsible for this. The Republican Party, their whole platform is about fear. They're afraid of immigrants. They're afraid of people of color. They're afraid of the LGBTQ, and they foment this fear in their supporters. And these supporters are so fearful because of the bullshit that these politicians speak about that they feel like they have to save their lives or save their country. And they aren't the brightest folks in the world, so this is how they react. They go into a store, a school, a church, a synagogue, and they start shooting people because they are cowardly and fearful. And that cowardice and fearfulness was instilled by them or into them by the Republican Party. There's only one way to fix this problem, and let's be honest, this is an immense problem in this country. No other country sees this kind of activity. There is only one fix to this, and that's eradicate the Republicans from power. Because as long as the Republicans are in power, they're going to continue to push no gun control at all. The one hope that we have is something I've talked about before, something I heard somebody speak about. I can't remember who it was, but it was somebody of note. But anyway, in the midterms, we saw huge turnouts of millennials and Gen Zers. Every year, henceforth, there's going to be more millennials and Gen Z. And they typically, I think they said, typically vote 65 to 70% Democrat. This is bad news for the Republicans. And the estimations are that in 2028, the majority of people voting in this country will be millennials and Gen Zs. And that is the death knell for the Republican Party as they stand right now. They will cease to exist, or at least cease to exist in the present situation. The question is, are the Republicans going to try to change their image, try to rehabilitate their image, or are they going to keep shoving this down people's throat, keep doubling down as they tend to do? Well, if they do that, again, come 2028, the Republican Party may cease to exist 
because the millennials and the Gen Zs just aren't having it. The Republicans see this, and they are desperate in trying to hold on to power. But they're doing it all the wrong ways. They think if they just keep pushing what they believe and keep whipping up their base, that they will finally win. Unfortunately, the base is diminishing. I think I heard a story that there are 5,000 boomers dying every day. I'm not worried about that. I'm a younger boomer. I'm closer to a Gen Z than the the uh, oldest boomers, or Gen X, actually. I'm closer to Gen X. I was born in 1960. Boomers go to 64, and then it's Gen X. So I'm kind of on the far end of the boomer generations. But if they don't change their ways, the Republicans are going to be nowhere, absolutely nowhere. 2024 should be an easy walk for the Democrats, given the way things are going and given the way the midterm election went. By 2028, they're fucking done. So we may have to wait six years to get there. Maybe earlier than that. But ultimately, we will have the one thing that will help us with this gun problem in this country. And that will be the disintegration or the eradication, the degradation, the attrition of the Republican Party. So let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that comes quicker than later. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day, Thanksgiving for fuck's sake, and listening to the podcast. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you spend time with your family and just enjoy the day we got a lot of days to talk about this shit. Spend the time enjoying yourself today. With all the shit we're going through, you deserve that. And we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.